All right, good morning. We need to get started this morning. Let's uh, stand. We're going to sing a shelter in a time of storm. Four verses, and then we'll take up our morning offering. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever He'll be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night. Shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes affright. Shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. Weary land, weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. Shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us be shelter in the time of storm we'll never leave our safe retreat shelter in the time of storm oh jesus is a rock in a weary land weary land a weary land oh jesus is a rock in a weary land shelter in the time of divine oh refuge dear shelter in the time of storm be thou our helper ever near shelter in the time of storm oh jesus is a rock in a weary land weary land Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Wayne, would you word our prayer, please? Mm-hmm. Amen.
And uh, we've got a little bit of a different setup again this week. We're uh, uh, Brother Noise and uh, his whole family, all his kids, are down in Florida uh, for about nine days, I think. And um, so they're going to miss this Sunday and next Sunday. And uh, brother, they're down there for a wedding, and Brother Jeff is the one that's officiating it. So uh, if you'll be in prayer for them traveling-wise, and I know they got off uh, well. He said that they were leaving uh, Friday. They went down to um, the Burleson-Joshua area to meet up uh, with Allie and Drake, and then some of, our other, uh, some of their other kiddos were, and they were making a caravan and kind of making their way. So anyways, that's where uh, Brother Jeff is, and... Uh, Thankful that they can get away and see family and be a part of a wedding. That's always a lot of fun, and uh, it's, a, it's a great, great uh, time with all of that. Well, let me go over a, a couple of announcements of things that are upcoming. We don't have them on the screens, and I don't have any uh, helps up here, so hopefully I can remember most of this stuff uh, just off the top of my head. Uh, but we do have um, this uh, upcoming week. Um, next Sunday on the 3rd is our Labor Day picnic. And so I encourage you to come be a part of that on Sunday night. Uh, we will be over uh, at Alex and Ryan Farrier's house. And of course, if you need directions to that, we'll be sure and get it to you. Uh, I meant to put that address in the bulletin this morning, and I didn't have it on hand. And so I'll have to, to fish that out so I can put it in the bulletin. So everyone's got it next Sunday so they know where they're going. Uh, but it's literally like, not is it a mile, Scotty? It's like three... Yeah, okay. There's the address. So, but uh, it's, I don't even know as though it's a mile. It's like three quarters of a mile just right up the way here. And uh, looking forward to that. There'll be sliders, sandwiches provided. And so just bring something to go along with that. Uh, fruit, sweets, finger things. I don't know what all goes with that. But uh, bring stuff. And uh, we'll look forward to a great service that night uh, on uh, September the 3rd. Maybe it'll turn out like my son's uh, first football game yesterday. Uh, we went to that. It was supposed to be at 3.30, and when they started, it was like 110 degrees outside, and we're all like, should we really be playing football out here? And uh, about, I don't know, a few minutes into the game, some cloud coverage moved in, and the temperature kind of dropped a little bit. It wasn't heavy sun, so that was nice. And then right before halftime, it just started pouring rain. Not a little bit, a lot of it. And uh, it just deluged, and of course, I'm sitting there just soaking it up, drenched from head to toe, thinking this is the most wonderful thing that's happened in the last three months, it feels like. And so, um, who knows, maybe we'll get some cooler weather on the third, uh, pray in that direction. It's uh, only a, a week away, so we'll see how that goes. So, looking forward to that uh, there. Uh, we also have a youth activity that's coming up on the 9th. We're playing uh, paintball with the teenagers. And hopefully we'll have some more information about that by Wednesday uh, to get them all geared up and ready to go for that. But sure, looking forward to that. Uh, and then church-wide, of course, there's the men's fishing trip, the ladies' retreat, the concession sand stuff, uh, all of that that is ahead. Uh, October the 1st, we are having that building meeting. It's all in the bulletin. So follow up on that and uh, looking forward to all the stuff that is ahead over the next few weeks. Uh, it's going to be great, and uh, sure looking forward to every uh, single bit of it. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So we are in Lesson uh, 26 still. <clears throat> and um, so we actually concluded 
last week in our uh, class uh, on point number four there um, under Satan. Uh, we were dealing with the fall of Satan. Is that next one? But I think Brother Jeff told me that's where you all stopped here in your class as well. And so, is that right? Or did you all finish the fall? Or did you all just... You finished the fall, but it's after that. Well, you get the fall again. So... <laughs> You get the fall twice, amen. So, anyways, we're gonna. That's where our class left off. So it's pretty close, though. So that's uh, thankful uh, that we got it fairly close there. And so we'll go through that, and then um, actually the notes on the screen don't pick up till the the demons there. Uh, but that will be no problem. We'll work our way through all of that. All right. So number four there, uh, the fall of Satan. And of course we can go to Isaiah 14 about this. We read a passage uh, last week in Ezekiel 28 about that as well. Uh, some parallel passages there of some similar descriptions uh, about those. And so Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 17 gives the account of the fall of Satan. Notice the great I will statements. And so this is a prideful thing uh, obviously. Uh, we try to make the point last week in our class at least, Satan's goal is not to destroy God. That, that's never been Satan's goal. He's not out there like, I want to destroy God and I want to ruin everything. Satan doesn't want to destroy him, he wants to replace him. And so that's an important thing to remember because uh, Satan's desire is he sees God and the authority God has and he says, I want that. Uh, and that's important to remember also in the Garden of Eden... You remember when he comes to Eve and he begins to talk to her, he gives her the same things that he's after. You know, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan enticing the woman, he's enticing her with what enticed him, right? The, the position to want to be like God. So Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 17, he says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. And notice the I will statements here, uh, very prideful. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? And of course we understand uh, Satan's cast down from heaven because of the great sin of pride. Uh, ultimately, if you boil down all sin, it ultimately ends at the destination of pride. Uh, pride is the forebearer, producer of all sin. Uh, it's the, I want this, so I'm going to get it. Or, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to do it. It really, pride is the, the forebearer of all sin, and such was the case with Satan. So, his ultimate goal is to be greater than his creator, greater than God, to replace God. That's Satan's ultimate uh, goal there. Uh, something to point out here also uh, in Isaiah 14, it talks about him going down to hell, down to the pit. Uh, we understand from other scriptures that Satan and the devils are not in hell currently. Okay? Uh, in Hollywood, oftentimes there's a depiction of them in uh, hell and they're down there and they're 
you know, red little pointy horn people with tails and pitchforks. And that's kind of the imagery that's put forth is that they're down in hell and they're partying or they're whatever in hell. But uh, the Bible actually describes Satan as the prince and power of the air. Okay? He walketh as a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. Uh, the idea of Satan is he's going to and fro. In the book of Job it talks about that, going to and fro upon the face of the earth. And so Satan is obviously a, a spiritual being that is currently on the earth. Uh, and his devils are on the earth. But their ultimate destination is a place called hell. And they will be delivered there. And so obviously there's some prophecy even in Isaiah 14 of the future destination of Satan will be that place of torment. Uh, so, you know, the Bible actually makes it clear that hell was not created for us. That was never the intention when God made hell. It was made for the devil and his angels. Um, and so that, that really is a place that God created as judgment for their act of rebellion and pride against God. And God will ultimately judge them and send them there. And so that, just to kind of give a little bit of uh, uh, an understanding of even Satan and devils and their actual location. So, all right, before we move on to demons, any questions about Satan and the fall of Satan? Comments? Brother Tim? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, are you talking about Satan's fall? So that it seems like that hell would be created after the fall of Satan because it was created for the devil and his angels. So um, that phrasing there would make it sound like this. God didn't just prepare a place of torment and torture for disobedience when the disobedience hadn't occurred yet. So there is a lot of... Um, this is where the timeline in the Bible sometimes gets fuzzy for, for us because it's not laid out real clear. Uh, because if you believe God made the earth and the heavens and everything that in them is in six literal days, you would believe that He made all the angels in those six literal days, right? Uh, whether that's on day one or any of the days there. So sometime in that time frame you have the fall of Satan and the creation then of hell and then you have the fall of man relatively quickly also. Uh, the reason I think the fall of man happens rather fast is because when God created male and female and put them in the garden, He said, be fruitful and multiply, and they hadn't done that. Uh, so it seems like there obviously wasn't a lot of time lapse in the Garden of Eden before the fall actually occurs. Now again, uh, if, if, you want, if you want a specific... Well, at this date, this happened, and then two years later, this happened. You're not going to find it. Uh, a lot of that stuff is more speculative, and so I don't think anybody can be real definitive. This is what this says. Uh, it's just by conjuncture of the Scriptures, I think that's the conclusion we would come to, is everything's created in six literal days. You have the fall of Satan, and the, the demons with him where they're cast down to earth. Prince of power of the air, hell is created. You then have Satan tempting Eve and the fall of man relatively quickly after the creation. And then the fall of man that takes place. And then obviously we have scripture from that point forward explaining all the nitty gritties. So very good, Brother Tim. It's wonderful. Yeah. So any other thoughts on that? 
All right, let's get down to uh, the demons. Or actually, if you want to be very uh, true to our King James Bible, you would say devils because the word demon isn't found in there. Uh, instead, it, it always uses the term devils. But it, it, for sake of us understanding what we're talking about, most people understand when you use the terminology demon, what we're talking about here, okay, a fallen angel. So we need to preface this section of our study in today's culture. Demonology has been made into entertainment. Demonology is nothing to laugh at, be entertained by, or get close to. This short study is not meant to whet your appetite to study more or get more involved in anything to do with de demons or demonology. In other words, stay away from anything that has to do with demons. Okay, so um, I'll say this. I've heard sermons... Um, there was a sermon me and my brother and a friend listened to uh, from a preacher we used to like listening to called A Generation Possessed with, with Devils. And um, we, we sat down and listened to that sermon, I don't know why, at like midnight at a church uh, over at Cottondale in my dad's office. We were sitting there listening to it. And uh, I'll let you know this, there's no place creepier on the earth than a church in the middle of the night when you're up there by yourself. Uh, if you've never done that before, I invite you to spend the night up here by yourself one time and you'll figure that out. Uh, the building creaks and makes noises and it's, it's scary. I don't know why, but they're just creepy places. And um, so anyway, so say all this to say, even in that, like an actual sermon that's used in scripture and, and talking about it, I, I will say there, there was a borderline even in that of it being... Um, how I say this, just based on how the preacher dealt with it, he played some audio and, and some of the stories that he told was more on the side of um, fantastical and something that would make people want to sit on the edge of their seat and hear more. Okay, um, demons are very real, and there is a very real spiritual warfare that's going on. And the idea of playing around with something like that is a very bad idea. Hey, the scriptures do say, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. But don't mistake that verse. Greater is he that's in us. That doesn't mean greater are you, right? And, and sometimes I think we get this false perception in our mind that we somehow have within us this great ability to, to handle these things. And the reality is, is you don't. The only thing that allows you to have the victory over Satan and the victory over the flesh and the victory over sin in any capacity is because of the great grace of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Uh, if you ever get the big uh, prideful mentality, look what I can do, you're, gonna, you're in for some trouble, I'm telling you. And so be very mindful of that. I think most people would understand even in this setting, um, you know, there are certain movies and genres and things that probably need to be avoided altogether, right? Because they just glorify evil and, and demons and there is uh, uh, an attraction to the occultish things that just shouldn't be there, okay? Uh, but just be mindful um, that there are things that are out there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one who just walks around and, and wants to find um, Satan in everything, right? Uh, there are some things that are not inherently evil. They're just a part of our culture. Uh, but we have to be honest. There are some things that are just inherently evil and inherently of the devil, and they are geared toward that. And we need to be very mindful of that. Okay, uh, Some games, um, entertainment books that are out there, 
Um, even, even during the time of year around Halloween, right? It's been dressed up that there's a lot of cuteness and, and okayness behind it, but there's a lot of evil at that time of year also. And let, let's not be deceptive of ourselves in thinking that it's all just uh, a kid dressing up, right? That's one thing. But if you ever go into like a spirit Halloween store or something, you understand the oppression that's there. Okay, what I'm saying is, is that there is that element that is there of evil. Okay, so we need to be mindful of that. Is, is our, my desire in this is not to whet your appetite and be like, oh yeah, I really love studying this stuff and I really want to dig into it. It's more so for us to get a good biblical understanding of what we're dealing with here um, and so we can move forward with that. Okay, so with that major preface there, anybody have any thoughts or concerns or questions? All right, let's do this. All right, here we go. <clears throat> so the first thing we need to say here is this. Demons do exist, okay? Um, we need to make that abundantly clear that demons do indeed exist. Okay, Revelation 12.4 alludes to the fact that probably one-third of the angelic beings followed Satan in his I will revolt against God and were cast out of heaven. So we'll read that. Revelation 12.4 says this, And his tail, speaking of Lucifer, Satan there, drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give, a, again, a heavy preface on this and say there are those who speculate on this. There's kind of two views on Revelation 12.4. One is a view that this is a reference to a past event when Satan fell. And when he fell, he took some of the angels with him. There is, in the context, though, of Revelation 12, it seems like it has more to do with some parts of the end time and some of the battles that take place there. And that this might have some aspect of end time events and battles that are happening there. You say, is there a possibility for both meanings there? In prophecy, yes. Um, prophecy can have double meaning, but I'm, I'm just letting you know there's not a definitive way of, of letting that be known. We do know this, though. We do know that Satan, obviously, is the prince of power of the air, meaning he's got rain right now on the earth to, to tempt and draw people's heart away and, and do what he does. And we also know this, there are demons on the earth. So we, we know that, that there is obviously Satan, and then there are those angels that have followed Satan in his revolt that are here on the earth. So we know those realities that they do exist and they're here. Whether or not Revelation 12.4 gives us that description of them falling or not is what would be up for debate there. Okay, uh, Number three there, the nature of demons. Okay, The nature of demons. <clears throat> Okay, again, just to point out some things maybe we've already uh, discussed or talked about here. Uh, letter A there, demons are present on the earth. So contrary to popular belief, they're not in hell, they're not in heaven, they're not here, they're, they're here on the earth. Okay. Uh, second thing there, letter B, they are spirit beings. So I say, well, I've never seen one. Well, welcome to the club, right? Uh, that which is spiritual is not temporal. It doesn't have a body. It doesn't have flesh, right? Uh, just like the Holy Spirit, none of us have seen the actual Holy Spirit. We've seen the effects of the Holy Spirit, right? 
but we've never seen the Holy Spirit. The same would be true of angels. And we never, you've never seen them. Why? Because they're spirit beings, right? They're not able to be seen un unless God allows you to see them. I mean, there is a story in the Old Testament where there's the host of the Assyrians that's around and the young man's just shaking his boot. And Elisha goes, open his eyes, and he goes, oh, hey, and he sees the host of heaven that's there, that's around him. And so, but we understand this, just human physical sight that we have is we can't see a spirit being there, okay? <clears throat> and so, uh, we'll read a few verses here. Matthew 8, 16 would say this, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. So there we have, of course, this individuals that are possessed by a demonic spirit. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. There's a lot of concern about that, okay? And then he says this, Christ cast them out with his spoken word, and what he casts out is spirits. So he uses that terminology when talking about the devils. He says devils are cast out, and he cast out the spirit. Okay, so we understand that we're dealing with the spiritual being there. Matthew 17, 18 says, And Jesus rebuked the devil... And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then Mark 9, 25, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. Okay? So, any uh, questions about those first two that we talked about there? Discussion? Very good. All right. So let's go to the letter C here. This is what I said. We'll probably take a little bit of time on this because there's a lot of confusion about it. Okay? They may possess humans. Okay. Um, this is not a back then thing. This is a still happens now thing. Now, if you've had the misfortune of watching some Hollywood flick of someone being demonically possessed, I ask you to take that and throw it into the garbage bin because that's not how anything is depicted in the Bible. Um, and there, there's obviously going to be a huge difference. Again, don't get your theology from Hollywood. It's a bad place to get it, okay? Uh, but I will say this. There is plenty of ample evidence in the Bible of demonic possession, and we would be foolish to think that that is not still occurring today, okay? Uh, so let me go through this, and then we'll kind of have a little bit of discussion about it. So Matthew 12, 43 says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Um, <clears throat> so here we have a description of an unclean spirit, a devil, that is removed from a man, and that he is in pursuit of another host, right? In pursuit of possessing someone else, that he walks through a dry place and wants to find rest. Mark 1, 23-26 says, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Okay, and again... Uh, some things that we'll probably discuss about there. Also, uh, every time you see a devil in the scripture <coughs> and Jesus is addressing that devil almost without exception, there is a response from that devil who says this, I know who you are. 
and, and they recognize him, you're God. Right? There might have been some concern amongst the, the religious leaders, but there was no question amongst the spirit world who Jesus was. A clear recognition of his divinity that he was indeed God. Uh, but there's also uh, a, a, a concern. Every time you see these devils, there's always not only a recognition, you're Christ, you're, you're God, but you're also, they start talking about this, have you come to torment us? Have you come to judge us? Have you come to put us away before our time? And so their concern was this, they know their ultimate demise is hell. And their concern with Christ was this, is it time for that? And so they're, they're asking him, are you come to, to cast us into hell and to ultimately judge us? And so obviously there is um, recognition of the devils. They know who he is. And rightly so. I mean, they were there. Uh, obviously when Christ created them, they were in the presence of God serving the Lord and then rebelled against him. They know who he is. Okay? So Luke 8.29 says, For he hath commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him. And was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of devils into the wilderness. Okay, so um, again, here we have a scripture of the um, the wild man, the crazy man of the uh, Gadareans, and uh, probably an interesting thing there about what he states is he's out there and he's possessed by devil. He goes to the tombs. He's cutting himself. They would try to bind him up, and the Bible says he would break the chains and the fetters. So obviously there's some supernatural strength that's going on involved with some of this. Uh, you also hear them speak. They use the person's voice, but they say, we are legion for we are many, or they, they speak of some kind. Uh, so th there's obviously some aspect of this demonic possession that they have some abilities when they take over a human body. Uh, to do some of those things. So let me point out this in verse in, in number four there. Though they may not possess a Christian because he already has the Holy Spirit inside of him. Number five there, a Christian cannot be possessed but can be oppressed. Now let me give you an explanation of what we mean by the, the differences of these two. Okay, uh, possession, um, again, I wish I had the scripture written down here. Someone should look it up. Uh, where it talks about a man cleaning out a room and then seven worse come in uh, and fill it. Okay. So the idea in, in the scripture is, is that when we are already filled, there's nothing that they can possess. So the Bible says that when you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, right? So the, the clear understanding of scripture is that a person who is filled with the Holy Ghost and is a, is a child of God does not have the capability to then be filled with a demon spirit and be possessed. But there is clear biblical example of Satan oppression. What does that mean? Uh, that means that there can be influence and there can be attacks and there can be uh, things that happen in our life that are very Satan and demonically driven. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of um, maybe some ways that we can determine between these because the Bible says when we are tempted in the flesh, what, what's supposed to be the response? When there's fleshly temptation, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to flee youthful lust. So when we have something that happens where we're tempted in our flesh to do something wrong, the biblical mandate is run. 
<clears throat> so like Joseph, he, you know, we look at a 17-year-old boy like Joseph and we go, well, he should be able to withstand this very promiscuous woman who's trying to have sex with him and grabbing at him. Uh, come on, let's be logical here. He's a 17-year-old boy with this very prominent woman that's trying to seduce him, and he understood his own limitations. He had said, no, 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 no. But eventually, if he's pressed hard enough in his flesh, he would probably say yes. So what does Joseph do? He runs. <laughs> he says, I can't handle this temptation. I'm out of here, lady. I'm not staying around to see what the end of the story is. Okay, so we understand that when there's fleshly temptation, our mandate is run. Flee youthful lust. But the Bible does say this, when there is demonic oppression, what is the response then? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? So there's a little bit of a different response uh, depending on how th those things happen. And, and so you might say, well, how do I determine the difference between these? Right? What, what's, what's the difference between these, these things that are there? So uh, maybe to use um, uh, a temptation like a fleshly temptation of lust. So like in the occasion of Joseph, there was that desire of his flesh that was there. And so he recognized, I can't resist this. So he ran. So what would be a, a, a illustration of demonic oppression? Well, what if Joseph's sitting there and there's no temptation in front of him? And yet in his mind, he's struggling with thoughts and there's things that are mulling through and he just feels like, man, I just feel like I, I'm just really struggling with this right now. Well, where's he going to run to? Right? I mean, think about it logically. If there's a temptation that's coming and it seems like it's just right there, well, you say, well, I'm going to go somewhere else in the house or I'm going to leave the house and go. So, well, that's probably just going to follow you, right? So what needs to happen there? Well, how do you resist the devil? <clears throat> well, how did Jesus do it? Yeah, he used the scriptures, didn't he? So when he's in the wilderness and Satan comes and tempts him those three times, he responds every time, Yea, hath God said, right? He gives him the word. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so important. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Is It's important to have scripture that we can give to Satan, Right? Uh, maybe in that instance, following that same illustration, uh, you could quote the scripture there in Job that Job said, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid, right? Uh, there's all kinds of scripture that we can use at that point to then resist the devil. Why? So he leaves. So then he flees from me. So th there is a spiritual warfare that's going on. And the Bible says we need to know our enemy, Right? And we need to be aware that there is a line that's walking about seeking to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary's out there, right? So there, there is a point in our life where we need to know who our enemies are, and we need to know how to combat them, okay? Um, that, that's one of the big things uh, when Vietnam started and some of the big absolute massacres that happened with the French that were there before America got involved and stuff was because they didn't know their enemy, Right? They, they thought it was conventional stuff, and it was not that way. I mean, they had kids out there being involved in warfare and stuff, and it was something that they were unprepared for because they didn't know their enemy. And I think there's a lot of Christian casualties because we don't know our enemy. Right? 
We don't know the, the, how to handle those different situations like that. So it's one of the reasons why it's very important to know, is this a battle of the flesh? I need to run. Is this a battle of a spiritual level where Satan's oppressing and attacking? I need to stand and quote scripture and fight because he will leave, right? And, and know those battles and, and which ones to fight and which ones to pick. And so, anyways, but just know this. A Christian cannot be possessed. An unbeliever can be, though. Okay, so that's usually where that comes from. We also know this. Animals can be possessed as well because you have examples in the scripture of that. Um, a lot of people used to think dogs would have fits, you know, and things. And that there, a lot of people think maybe that was some type of demonic spirit that was in it. I don't know. Uh, but I do know that when he cast out this man, the Gadarean man that was in the tombs cutting himself, and he called himself Legion, they filled up a whole herd of swine and they ran off a cliff and killed themselves. So we do know that there's some of that that's involved as well. Okay, any thoughts on that before we move on to the next? Yes. Right. Um, so, Yeah, I mean, logically that makes sense, but I don't know. So I think it's one of those things, again, where I don't know if you can be super definitive and say for sure um, on that because the Bible is kind of unclear on that area as well. But it does make sense because uh, let's you know, look at biblical examples of people that are demonically you know, possessed. Um, the only one I can think of that probably that wouldn't fit is maybe the boy where the father says help my son, he's a lunatic because he's throwing himself in water and throwing himself in fire and, and hurting himself. So, but even that, I mean, I know my kids, you know, we're not told the age of the child, you know, so th th there definitely could be some aspect of that. I mean, Mary Magdalene's a good example that she was obviously possessed before Christ got involved in her and she was a prostitute. You know what I mean? She... Her life was symbolic of something that would invite evil. So uh, there's maybe some truth to that um, for sure. I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts there? Brother Tim? I would say this. My thoughts are that you would let them in mm. because that was full free will. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, logically, again, that, that makes sense to me, is that we have free will and we have a spirit, and whether we want to be filled with this or filled with that, we allow ourselves, open ourselves up to that for sure. So it seems to make sense. So, 
All right, letter D. We'll see if we can get through uh, all this lesson here. That way we can start nice and fresh next week. Okay, they are intelligent. <clears throat> so let me go through a few things here. They know who Jesus is. We've already read that verse there in Mark uh, one twenty four, and um, <clears throat> they asked for favors in Luke eight thirty one. They besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. They understand the future. Obviously, we've already talked about that also. They know, hey, uh, one day we're going to wind up in hell. And they're not looking forward to that, so they understand what their future is. Um, and, of course, we have some of those verses there that talk about, the, art thou come hither to torment us before the time, right? Um, and so they understand what their future is. Okay, letter E there, they are powerful. They are powerful. They cause many physical and mental disorders in people in the Scriptures. So I want to be careful with this and how we say this. Um, sometimes I wonder. Now, don't misinterpret this or take it the wrong way. I'm really trying to preface this. But I wonder sometimes if there are those who have mental disorders that we say is a mental disorder when it could be a demon. Now, I want to be careful how I say that because are there those who have mental disorders that there is not? That's gone? Absolutely, right? There are those that have... Um, uh, certain physical limitations, mental limitations, things are going on. This is not a preacher that's up here saying if somebody's got this mental problem, you know, if they were born Down syndrome or they've got this physical, they're, they're obviously full of demons. That, that's not what I'm saying. That's the furthest thing from it. But what I am saying is, is sometimes I think there are those who do have what's been diagnosed as a mental disorder that could be demons, right? Uh, probably the truest one, Evie can attest to this, we had a young lady that came at Cottondale when I was there on the bus as a teenager. And um, I, I don't know exactly what was wrong with her, but she would just constantly be talking to herself. And she was, she was mentally, had problems. And she was just, not a little girl, but not real big. But she had an issue one Sunday, and it took four men to get her to not totally thrash the place. I mean, to hold her down. She was just wild. And, and I, I remember thinking, and again, understand I'm not coming out saying this is what it is, but I remember thinking if ever there was, that, that is, right? Um, because the time when she did that was actually during a message about hell and salvation, a very strong message in that direction. And it was just very surreal, like I'd never experienced something like that before. And, and again, I know people probably have stories and things, but we, we do understand this. Again, there, there is obviously uh, some illustration of the Scripture that they had obviously tearing the fetters and chains. They could speak all the things that they were involved in. They were cutting themselves. Sometimes I wonder also, there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, particularly around teenage girls. I'm not saying every teen girl that cuts himself is, uh, has a demon in it, but I'm saying this, that is symptoms in the Bible of either demonic possession or oppression is when they cut themselves, okay? So th there seems to be some of that tie-in as well. Let me read through this last little bit here. We have any discussion that we have, and then we'll conclude, okay? Demonology and Satanism is nothing to mess around with. It will influence you, and you will open the doors to demonic activity in your life. So stay away from demonic games, Again, I don't want to be like absolutely de 
demonstrative, this is bad, this is right, this is, I think there are some things we could lay out there. I mean, you know, obviously Ouija boards, I mean, you're there and you're saying, Satan, show me what I need to say, you know, and you're, you're asking for it. You know, it's just, you know, use some common sense. It's, it's meant to be fun, but really is it, okay? Stay away from demonic movies, horror movies in general, anything that delves into occultish things, be mindful of that, okay? Um, it's not, it's not as innocent as you might think it is, okay? There, there is a lot of evil that's in the world out there, and, and be mindful of that, okay? Beware of reading materials. There's a lot of novels that are engrossed with demonic spells and materials and things that are there. Especially be cautious of music. Satan is a musical being. He will use that to his advantage. I've seen more um, probably demonic influence in music than in any other medium. And so, uh, be very music's very powerful. You can you you could go down to a retirement home some and go in like the Alzheimer's wing and where a lot of those patients are. And I've been there for services and stuff, and they might not even remember who their children are. But you start playing a gospel song, and they'll start singing along. Let's say how powerful music is in our life and the influence it has. So just say this: be careful what you open yourself up to with that. You know. Uh, oftentimes we view it as just an innocent thing, but there is a lot of evil that's out there, and so be cautious of music. Okay? Remember that God is greater than anything demonic, but you have to choose to not allow demonic influences into your life. It is an entertainment. It's Satan's way of getting in. John 4, 4, year of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's always an important thing to remember. God has not given us a spirit of fear, we're actually going to talk about that in the morning service, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God hasn't given us this mentality where we're walking around and we're just terrified of spiritual warfare and we're scared to death of demonic influences and we're scared to death of this, that, and the other. You know, we, we've overcome those things because He's greater than all of those, right? And so through the power of Christ, we have that ability. Any thoughts before we close up here, Ms. Sharon? Yes, so <laughs> that's a, maybe a little bit of a loaded question. There is a thought that's out there that there, just as with angels, we talked about there being different ranks and position. There is a thought that with devils that there is also that same thing that's going on. And so that there is different ranks and powers and positions and that there are some who have been specifically set aside and sealed up until the tribulation time or until God sends them to hell for whatever reason. Now, that's, again, speculation. Um, I personally think the verse deals more with this, that it says they're reserved in chains, to the day, is that there is a destination for all demonic beings, all fallen angels, Satan himself. They're all going to be cast to the lake of fire, you know, the pit, right? And... That is what they're reserved to is that day of judgment. So, again, it's maybe a loaded question, hard to answer over real quick. But yes. I have not heard that. Um, again, Luke 16 would be a, the place you would go to study some of that. 
Uh, Luke 16, 19 is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And it talks about, so paradise is not heaven and hell is not the lake of fire. They're different places. Oftentimes we make them synonymous with one another. So Abraham's bosom or paradise, the Bible says, it was basically shut down when Christ led captivity, led him to heaven, right? And then the Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. And so that, that great gulf that was fixed between them, it seems like hell is amassing and enlarging itself. And so anyways, um, one day there will be all those who will be drawn out of hell and then will be cast into the lake of fire after the great white throne judgment. That's the, the scenario or the layout of those. So as far as Christ, when Christ tells the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? And then three days later he ascended. He, the ladies came to the tomb. He says, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended unto the Father. Okay, some of those ring about. So there's obviously some events that take place where Christ is going from Abraham's bosom, ascends to the Father, and then takes all those Old Testament saints to heaven now that the blood is able to go to heaven. So anyways, a lot, lot there. So anyways, all right, we're out of time, and you are dismissed. We'll look forward to having church here in about nine or ten minutes.